When you or a loved one is sick or dealing with a diagnosis, I think it's really easy and I think it's pretty common to feel scared, frustrated, and reactive. Scared of what it could mean for you long-term, not sure if it will get better. Frustrated at the situation you find yourself in. Reactive to it all, without listening to your intuition, without discovering all your options. I've been there on my own journey and at times with my kids. Today's guest on the podcast is going to show us another way. She's going to be sharing the story of her son's autism diagnosis and healing. Jody Meschuk is a naturopathic practitioner and author of Autism Reimagined. I'm really inspired by her ability to think for herself and ask questions. This unlikely story might be just what you need for parts of your story that feel a bit unlikely. Listen in to part one today, and if someone comes to mind while you're listening, we'd be grateful if you'd share the episode with them. Welcome to the Daily Wellness Podcast, where you can learn about healthy living and be inspired to take the next step in your wellness journey. Hey everyone, I have Jody Meschuk with me today. I'm so excited. Thanks for joining us. So excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, I have so much I want to ask you about. So I want to jump in um, to all of that. But first, I would really love for people to get to hear a little bit of your story and your family's health journey and kind of how you got to where you are today as a naturopathic practitioner. Yeah, so uh, this is the last place I thought I would ever be. Let's just I mean, I feel like we all would say that about our story if we really were to think about it. Um, You know, you envision kind of how your life is going to go. And I went to college and I played basketball and I majored in sports medicine. I actually hated it, which is why I was like, I'm never going to do anything in medicine. (laughs) But but anyways, (laughs) and uh, then I, you know, like like many of us, you get out of college, you try to figure out what you're going to do. Um, And I did actually work in the sports industry for a bit. And I just found it wasn't something that I really loved in terms of like rehab. I didn't like the rehab part of it. Um, So then I just kind of went and did some other stuff and obviously ended up getting married, having my first child. Uh, And that was really, that was really kind of the start where I'll say my curiosity began to peak because before that, You could very well say I was the standard, follow the rules, you know, I mean, even let's just talk about birth control for a second, right? Like being on birth control when I was almost like, like junior, senior in high school to try to control my periods and then getting into, you know, my 20s and thinking that that was going to take away all my pain and like just that mindset, right? Where you go in and you think that the doctor's going to fix everything for you and all of your problems, but you don't realize that the problems you have are what you're consuming and what you're using and that you have every bit of control over your health and your life and choices and decisions. But that was not me back then. And so then, of course, here I am finding out that I'm pregnant for the first time, super excited. Obviously, I mean, we were trying to get pregnant, so it wasn't necessarily uh, something that was a surprise. But obviously, when that happens, you're very elated and just kind of shocked, like, oh, I got pregnant, right? 
Yeah. And your mind just goes into search mode because you have to learn so many new things. Yes. And still, though, it was very trusting of the system, uh, nervous, of course, um, the birthing process. And back then, having a home birth would have never and never did cross my mind. In fact, it felt like, who would do that? I mean, I feel like this, like that whole like, what are they doing? They are weird and cuckoo. Sum- sums up my entire life up until I had my wake up call. And that was kind of, you know, a bit of my pregnancy too was, oh my gosh, like, oh, I can't imagine they would have a home birth. I can't imagine um, it would, they would not get an epidural. Who wants to have pain, right? Right. So, so uh, I, I did though become a little bit more curious um, as I was pregnant with my first child. And the curiosity was more as as it got to the end and it was, you know, I used to live in Orange County, California. If you know anything about Orange County, yeah, I mean, some of it is actually true of the Real Housewives of Orange County. Yeah. So it was uh, back then, you know, even just 10 years ago, and it might still be the same a little bit today, but it was all about who was your pediatrician going to be? And almost like you got to have the best and you got to go to the best and so that was my mindset was, okay, I'm going to go interview pediatricians now. And so that is, I think if I look back to when I I kind of got slapped in the face a little bit with becoming curious, it was when I was actually sitting in that pediatrician's office and interviewing them. Now, again, this was not the Jody that is here today. It was a very nervous, worried Jody that was putting all of my faith and trust in a pediatrician or a doctor with a white coat. But still, I something in me kind of thought, I should ask them about vaccines. I should ask them, what do they think about it? I just want to see what they would say. Because at the time, what I was hearing in the news, was it was really the height of like Jenny McCarthy and her speaking out. And so there's a little piece of the Jody back then that was also kind of the fighter, the troublemaker, the let me poke somebody's like, let me just kind of poke them and see what they'll do, like push their buttons a little bit. And so I remember sitting in the pediatrician's office and just saying, okay, well, what are your thoughts about vaccines? And what I thought was really interesting, the response of two of them was very defensive. It was very you know, they didn't even know the question that I was going to ask. I I simply was curious and said, what are your thoughts about the vaccine schedule? But what I got back was not a conversation. It was not them asking me a question like, well, tell me what makes you nervous about it. Now, can you imagine if a pediatrician were to ask that? Right. <laughs> if the mother were sitting there pregnant, nervous about their, their the whole birthing experience, nervous about becoming a mother for their first time, because let's be honest, it's a little scary. Yes. It's happy, but scary. And can you imagine if any doctor or a pediatrician were to just ask that question, well, what makes you nervous? Talk to me. Tell me more. Can you imagine like how that would just change the entire landscape of pediatrics? But that's not met with. I was met with anger. I was met with, oh, you're one of those anti-vaxxer moms. You can, you're not going to be able to come to this office if you're an anti-vaxxer mom. And and I sat back going, huh, that's interesting. Why are they so defensive about this? 
Now, again, I still wasn't in the space of uh, confidence. And obviously, that's a big part of our story. And I don't know how much you want me to to go on because I can talk forever about it. Oh, yeah. But- that's great. Tell me all the things. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I'll just kind of fast forward is I picked our pediatrician who was supposedly, you know, the best one in Orange County because, of course, I wanted the best for my child, thinking that it's the pediatrician that determines the health of your child when it's actually the exact opposite. It's us that determines the health of our child. And we got to the point of him, you know, getting ready to enter the world. And here I am in labor and I'm in the hospital because, of course, I had to choose a hospital setting because I was under the assumption and the lie that that was the safest place to have a baby. But that's actually where they trap you. Um, and so there I am in my typical nine hour birth epidural. I was also strep B positive, And so they hooked me up to antibiotic, antibiotic, did not know that I could question that, did not know that I could say no, did not know that I could reverse that by myself. And it was kind of just the start of this, what I would call the normal common birthing process that happens today. Now, It may be common, but what people need to understand is that is actually not normal. I mean, you can apply that. Obviously, we know we could apply that to the massive amount of ear infections that we see today, Um, just gut issues in children, sensory processing. I mean, you name it. There's so many labels today, and they keep coming up with more just to make parents feel like they, they, you know, need to be trapped in the system. Um, And it's, you know actually normal to birth your child without pain medication, without antibiotics, without being in a hospital setting. But I didn't know that. And so that really was the start of his life. It was getting hit with a round of antibiotics from me because I was the one getting them, which means he was the one one exposed to them. And of course, back then, I didn't have the knowledge that your baby, like babies when they're born are actually born with leaky gut. They're actually born with a very permeable gut, which is why it's so important what we protect them from and what we allow them to consume in that first year of life. And also what we know is being injected into them because their gut is extremely permeable and it needs to build up strength. So I basically wiped out my child's gut. Is what I did. And I can kind of laugh about it today just because it's been years and years, obviously, of emotional work and releasing that guilt and that shame and all of that. But you kind of fast forward into his first year of life now. That was his first hit. Obviously, he had multiple hits with the vaccine schedule. So hepatitis B right within minutes of him being born. And then the DTAP. And he he really was on the typical schedule until about six months. When I started to question even more, and I went back to that conversation that I had with that pediatrician, and it, it replayed in my head every single day because here I am looking at my baby who is, I mean, of course, our babies are perfect in every way to us, but he wasn't. He wasn't. He was struggling. He had diarrhea. He never had a formed stool, really. Um, I mean, I tried to breastfeed as best as I could. I struggled. I kind of stopped around six months because I was frustrated. So then I started to give him formula, which made it even worse. He had recurring ear infections. He just, he he was perfect in every way, yes, but there was something that was not right. And I just couldn't put my finger on it. So I remember going to that next pediatrician's appointment right around 
think he was probably about seven or eight months at the time. And it was, of course, time for another round of injection. And I just, I couldn't do it. I just, I, I looked at the pediatrician. I said, well, what are my options? Because something's not right. He's not thriving. He seems to be sick all the time. And I really think it's the vaccines. And the pediatrician, of course, gaslighted me, yelled at me, basically said, if you're not going to, if you're not going to stick to our schedule, then you can't come here anymore. Mm -hmm. I walked out of that office in tears. I mean, I literally, I walked out down the hallway. It was in a high rise building in like Newport Beach, walking down the hallway, pushing my child in the stroller, just sobbing of how I was treated as a mother who just wanted to ask questions, who was just curious, why is my baby not thriving? And I think I've connected the dots. I would like some validation for that. And I would like some solutions, but you can't give me that because, you know, these pediatricians are so far down the deep hole of believing all of this faulty science. And so we went and found another pediatrician. They agreed. Um, we kind of had a conversation. I asked for some recommendations. This, this is another one that came highly recommended that was supposed to be very forgiving, let's say, with not following the schedule. And we we spaced them out at first, and I felt a little bit better about that. Now, my son, though, was still getting ear infections. He was still not sleeping well at night. He was fussy all the time. Now, it's, of course, babies are going to get fussy, but there's a difference between being fussy and what I now know was a buildup of brain inflammation in him. And guess what? A baby can't talk to us. A baby can't tell us that. Even a toddler oftentimes can't tell us how their body is feeling. And so it's really up to us to clue into that. But if we're, if we're basically beaten down every day in an office when we go to ask questions, how are we going to know how to listen to our intuition, right? I mean, that's think about it. That's how they... They break us. They break mothers down every single day in those offices by taking away your voice and taking away your intuition. So then you just go, oh, I guess I'm wrong. I guess you're right. And you just keep going along with it, which is what I did. More antibiotics. By the time he was 10, 11 months, he had about eight rounds of antibiotics at that point. That is, that is very common today. It is not normal. That is very common today that an infant has multiple rounds of antibiotic. Now, again, remember their gut is permeable. What happens if they have a permeable gut and they keep getting hit of all of this stuff? We cannot expect that they're going to thrive. It's just, it's building this, like basically this bucket of toxins in them. And eventually that's gonna spill over, which is what happened with our child, is we, um, we, kept going and we're spacing them out. And I went to basically his like 13, 14 month appointment and he needed to get caught up because he was so far behind. And I, I went into the appointment. I was very pregnant with our second child. Probably not a smart idea to go in without your spouse's support <laughs> because here I am super pregnant, very emotional and go in for this appointment and our regular doctor that we had a good relationship with wasn't there so it was the on-call pediatrician and i remember sitting in the waiting room i i will never forget this this still replays in my head is i'm sitting there and here's my son still having all kinds of his challenges that he was having and i'm just looking at him and i'm like we should just come back we should just come back and i didn't 
I don't know what it was. I don't know. I, I didn't walk out of that office and I should have. And then we go and we get into the actual appointment where it's the cold room and the white walls and the pediatrician comes in and is basically like, hey, like your, your child's really far behind on his vaccines. If you don't catch up, there's like a real big risk that he'll die. He'll catch one of these diseases and die. Like that's basically what he said to me. And, you know, what do you, again, think about all these mothers that are in these offices. And I'll, I'll tell you the most common thing that I get on my social media when I'm chatting with people is the most common thing I get is they are legitimately afraid that their child will die from one of these diseases. And I was there. So I get how that feeling is. And that is a part of my mission, obviously, every day to break that fear down and help moms regain their confidence. Right. I mean, because we are told, I mean, we want the best for our kids, obviously, like we're trying to protect them and keep them safe. And we're told that this is the way to do that. Yeah. And so to go against that is hard when you you're learning and you don't have all the answers. Oh, it, if you you know, there's there's basically very few industries uh, or systems today today that exist that if you question that or go against that, you will be crucified. One of them is obviously now the gender conversation that has been coming up more and more. And second, in my opinion, would obviously be up there is the vaccine conversation. The minute you start to question that, the minute you start to speak like an intelligent human being as if you know what you're talking about and you know your child better than anybody else, you will be crucified, which is another reason why most moms and most parents they won't go against the grain because nobody likes to feel like they are this itty bitty, teeny tiny little person that is worth nothing. Nobody likes to feel that way. But what I have to say is your child's life is on the line. So what matters more? You getting some nasty messages or comments from people or getting kicked out of a pediatrician's office or your child's life? Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're literally playing Russian roulette with the schedule. Mm -hmm. The current schedule as it is for children is Russian roulette. And that's what parents need to understand. Um, yeah. I mean, if you want to ask questions, if, you, if you're not sure, if you're in that place of questioning and, and not sure, if you just want to ask questions, even for that, you have to get some thick skin. Because I have been, I can relate to your stories so much because I have been in those doctor's offices and been made to feel terrible about myself or, you know, and about me as a mother because of just the questions that I was asking. Or literally, you're just asking questions. In what other place can you not ask questions? Well, you can't ask him in a pediatrician's office, that's for sure. <laughs> right. And generally, too, even a, even a regular doctor's office. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, I just, I know this happens because I talk to my clients every day about it, is they'll go into the doctor's office and let's say, hey, doc, I just read some stuff on statins the other day that it's perfectly normal to have a cholesterol level of 300. I'm going to go off my statins. Oh, my gosh. It is as if you, like, were attempting to cause harm to that doctor, you know, like, because it's their paycheck. It's their paycheck. Yeah. So anyway, uh, here I am in the office and uh, the pediatrician is basically massive amounts of gaslighting me as if I am the crazy mother for not wanting to continue to inject my child with poison. And um, I basically relent. I mean, I, I think I was so broken down and I was so hormonal too at the same time 
that I just basically was like, okay, you know, because he threatened, he did threaten to call child services on me. That's a very real thing. Um, that should be very illegal to do. But the problem is there is massive immunity in the allopathic medicine world that they can get away with literal murder. And so he threatened to call child services on me. Um, and I basically relented. And I remember the nurse coming in with the vials all on a tray and he had to be, you know, caught up. So he received nine injections in one visit. But here's the thing is most people will, will hear me say nine and they will go, oh my gosh, nine? And I'll say, do you know what? Your child's actually been injected with nine and you don't even know it because those three in one vaccines are actually three. Mm -hmm. They're not one, they're three. So then they go, oh, I never thought about that. Well, yeah, are they gonna tell you that? No, they're not gonna tell you that, right? So he received nine. And I remember sitting there in that office. I can actually do this story now, usually without crying. It's taken about 10 years. Uh, and I'm just sitting there paralyzed. It literally felt like I was in the twilight zone and I couldn't move my body. That's how paralyzed I felt. I wanted everything to just grab my baby and run out of that office. And I'm just, I didn't, I didn't. And so I just saw him get injected with those and I cried. And it's like, they didn't even care. I mean, can you imagine like if you, if I, if I was a pediatrician, there's a reason why I'm not, why I don't subscribe at all to the Western medicine, you know, approach. Um, but I just think if I'm in that office, even as a nurse and I have a mother bawling her eyes out, would I not stop and try to be like, Hey, let's talk about this. Mm -hmm. That's not what they do. Just inject, 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 get out ready for the next patient. And um, it just uh, obviously when it happened, I knew in my spirit, it, it's like I got chills all over my body and I knew what I did was wrong. I knew it. I knew something was going to happen. There was just something in me that foretold what the next events were going to be. And so I think part of me was kind of a self-preservation process of talking myself out of it. He's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. And then we get in the car and we were actually on our way to a play date at the park with some moms that I knew at the time and we hung out with our kids and I was just bawling. I was bawling the entire time on the way to the park. And he had a very, within, I would say 10, 15 minutes of that appointment when we were in the car driving to the park, he had a very, very high pitched screaming cry that I had never heard him do before. It was very distinct. It was, it was not a, I'm hungry cry. It was a high pitched I cannot get it out of my head cry. And that's encephalitis, that's brain inflammation. That's also what a lot of parents don't know. And I didn't know at the time. And uh, so we get to the park and I, I tell my girlfriends what happened. And of course, being good girlfriends, they're trying to console me and say, it's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. We're going to pray for him. And he, he wasn't, he wasn't fine. We got home that night. He wouldn't stop crying. I called the pediatrician's office. They did what every office will tell you to do rotate Tylenol and Motrin, which further impacted his brain's ability to be able to, and his body's ability to, to potentially negate some of those toxins because your body, the glutathione in it has this natural ability to just kind of resettle the immune system and remove toxins. I depleted that with the Tylenol and Motrin. And so it, um, he just wasn't the same kid the next morning at all. He wasn't the same kid. We, 
over over the course of a few weeks and then a couple of months, he lost all of his words that he had. Mm-hmm. He lost all of his eye contact. It was it was as if he was in his own little world. And I'll 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 never forget it. I'll never forget it. And it it was a it was a lot of a lot of tears. It was a lot of guilt, um, beating myself up that I did this to my child. I let them do this. Um, but obviously, as we know, it you know our story does have a happy ending, and it, it's it's the reason why I'll I'll never stop talking about it. It's it's you know this epidemic is not stopping anytime soon. There it's projected to be one in two boys in the next few years that will have a diagnosis of autism or a diagnosis of something very similar to that. And the only way it's going to stop is through parents. That's it. Only way the epidemic stops is by us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that part of your story. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the Daily Wellness Podcast. We hope that you found it helpful for your own wellness journey. And if so, we'd love for you to leave a review. Then come back and listen for review shout outs on upcoming episodes. For more information, check out the show notes and connect with us on our website, dailywellnesscommunity.com. 